We are dedicating this episode of Just Another Horror Show to our friend and neighbor Stephen, who we lost suddenly this weekend. Stephen was truly one of the lights. He always had a smile on his face and he always made you laugh. He was a beautiful soul and we'll miss him tremendously. We saw Stephen mostly on the weekends um, when he was here visiting his mom and if I wanted to tell him something or ask him something, if I was just thinking about him and wanted to say hello, I would always think, I'll see him this weekend and we'll talk then. But suddenly he's gone and sometimes it takes something like this to remind yourself to not wait for the weekend. And even if you're just thinking about somebody, it doesn't have to be a big deal. Let them know because we really just never know when the universe is going to kick us in the balls and take that luxury away from us. Yeah, you ain't shit. You ain't shit. Uh... Ah, very well said. Very well said. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm kind of gonna gonna freewheel it here. Uh, not enough good adjectives to uh, describe Stephen. Just a big, burly, beautiful bear of a guy. Always had a uh, big smile on his face. Always uh, kept a good uh, good outlook on the universe, no matter uh, how shitty sometimes it seemed like he felt. Always had a smile on his face, always had a kind word, always funny, always the life of wherever he was, let alone the party. So we're going to miss him a very great deal. Um, I prepared a quote, going to try to get through it. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling like I'm feeling kind of like a pussy, but uh, well, shoot. Um, <clears throat> don't be dismayed at goodbyes. A farewell is necessary before you can meet again. And meeting again... <clears throat> Shit. <laughs> <clears throat> and meeting again after a... Fuck, oh, are you kidding you me? <laughs> and meeting again after moments or lifetime is certain for those who are friends. So, it's a quote by Richard Bach. Uh, we'll miss you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Hey, good evening, creepy cats and spooky chicks. Are you ready to talk some horror flicks? We sure are. I'm G... And I'm Ant, and this is Just Another Horror Show. Hey, what's up? Uh, welcome back once again to Just Another Horror Show, episode number two, where G and I are going to do our review of 2018's A Quiet Place. Shut the fuck up. So, uh, 2018's Quiet Place starring uh, Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, Krasinski, who also uh, directed and uh, co-wrote the screenplay, and uh, I think, yeah, uh, those uh, it was based on a story that was written by Brian Woods and Scott Beck. Um, did pretty good at the box office, uh, U.S. figures, and this is according to IMDb. Of course, about 169 million as of as of yesterday. I think was the last time I checked. 270 million. Uh, worldwide and so we're gonna get on to the uh, body of the show here so quiet place uh, is the story of uh, Evelyn and Lee Abbott and their family and they're just a typical family but they're living in not too typical circumstances as they're basically living out their lives uh, post alien invasion and things aren't going too well so, G, what do you have to add to our... So, um, we start the film um, with the family that seems to be on a supply run. Um, they're getting meds for their son, Marcus, um, who's played by Noah Jupe. Jupe? Jupe? Yeah, I suppose. 
Um, and we see right off the bat that everything, they do everything in utter silence and they do all know sign language, which is interesting, right? Because it kind of gives you uh, an idea of how long this has been going on, perhaps, that they actually were right. able to learn sign language that they could all communicate with each other um, while still being silent. And I think they were forced to, right? Because it, it seems like the oldest daughter, Regan, has a, uh, has a, has a hearing device that uh, actually ends up being... Oh, also, uh, Aktung, uh spoilers. If you want to see this movie and you don't want the ending spoiled for you, shut it off now. Come back to it later. We won't take offense, but we are going to spoil uh, the movie for you if you keep listening and you haven't seen it yet. So... Sorry, we should have started Sorry. with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So, the daughter does have... Um, she's deaf, we, we come to find. Which, again, brings up some other questions that we can definitely delve into a little bit later. Um, as far as... It, it, if the daughter... We could talk about it now. If the daughter was born deaf, right? That explains how they all already know how to speak sign language. Right. Presumably, they were... Um, you know, uh, using sign language to communicate with her for years and years. In that case, if she was born deaf, my question is, how does she know if she's making noise? Right? If she's never had her hearing, she oh, doesn't yeah. know how, what things sound like. She doesn't know what makes a big noise or what doesn't make a big noise. Right. So that that's definitely something that came up. I think that's um, an interesting part of the story. So, um, like uh, Gina mentioned earlier, everything that the family does, they, they do in the utmost silence as we see that uh, everywhere that the family goes, they're basically walking barefoot along this uh, sand-strewn path as to uh, mask their footsteps. And that's because um, they can't make a single sound because the aliens that have invaded are um, super sensitive to hearing and brings us to the very beginning where um, they're in their uh, uh, drugstore uh, on a supply run for a, for a sick Marcus and um, their younger son um, picks up a, um, a bow, excuse me, the younger son bow picks up a, uh, a rocket that is battery powered and makes noise and he wants it but he can't have it because he'll give them all up and get them all killed. So what happens is uh, his uh, his sister lovingly takes out the uh, the batteries to the rocket and gives it to Bo. Uh, before the family leaves, Bo grabs the rocket and uh, he grabs the batteries as well. It's not really a laughing matter because uh, on the so on insensitive. The yeah, on the way back, uh, Bo inserts the batteries into the toy. The toy goes off. Alien charges. Uh, um, Lee, the father patriarch of the family is running towards uh, Bo. Alien gets to him first and uh, Bo is no Mo. I will say, I do like, although I do thrive on suspense generally, I kind of like that we saw the monster so early in the film. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, you know, I, I was a little disappointed by the monster. Um, I, f I feel like this is a monster that keeps coming up in films. Kind of has like that Cloverfield spiky legged body and then it has like the the head of like a Resident Evil mutant 
that like opens up kind of like a Demogorgon yeah. Stranger Things thing going on. I mean, it, it's fine, but it. I guess it's a silly thing to nitpick about because it's really not the point of the film, but I kind of like my monsters. I felt like this was a little unoriginal, but I mean, that really, that's my only knock. I know you don't feel the same way, but I that's mean, I agree as far as like the lack of originality in the monster, but still a monster. I think those clover fieldy kind of mechanical looking legs are creepy. Um, like especially a when feel. they're like running towards you. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that was kind of cool. Okay. So uh, we're going to flash forward um, a- after that after that tragedy, and we see a very pregnant um, Evelyn Abbott. Dummy. Yeah. At, at first, you're like, well, why, why the fuck would you have a screaming child in the middle of a place you can't make a sound? And we see that, like, the family's already made preparations, right? They have, like, this wooden box that they're going to plan to put the baby in with a like a, a oxygen mask in the event they have to put him in there for like a long period of time they're soundproofing what's going to be the nursery in this giant barn that they're in and yeah they're, ba- they're basically paper machine the the i'm like all right look is it a is it a self-preservation matter or is it is it a matter of redemption like we let Bo down i don't know I, I think it's definitely more of a guilty, conscious thing about what happened to Bo. It seems, anyway. I mean, I don't, I can't think of any other reason why anybody would have a child in that situation, unless they just ran out of condoms and it was a oops and they had to deal with it. Maybe. <laughs> I suppose. You know. Yeah, I mean, those those supply runs are pretty deadly. Right. Maybe they just forgot. Right. right <laughs> forgot right. the birth control. Right. They were at the pharmacy, so. Yeah. You know, they could they could have. Uh, stocked up on something but this is the problem that I have with like post-apocalyptic survival films because like why why would you bring another human into this suffering that you're going through never mind that obviously a baby is noisy and that's like your number one thing that you can't do yeah I just think it's silly it's one more mouth to feed right it's one more person to worry about but I I I think it all harkens back to like the self-preservation thing, right? Like there has to be some kind of hope for the future. There has to be some way for you to carry on. Then again, if you're not there because you got eaten by a giant bug monster, it's it's pointless anyway. Right. <laughs> to each his own. We'll let you guys argue uh, over that. Oh yeah, and uh, by the way, we mentioned in episode one, if you listen to this podcast through Anchor, you could actually call in and leave like a little voicemail. Let us know your opinions. Uh... Is it smart to have a kid in a post-apocalyptic world? Is it not? Is it dangerous? Is it self-preservation? Let us know. Just shoot us a small message. Also, was it important to this story? Which, in actuality, I don't think it was. In terms... Well... It, it helps build suspense, right? We're, we're going to get to later on some of the scenes. Right. I think right that it served its purpose that way, yeah, for sure. And that's something we're going to talk about a little bit um, later. So uh, there's there's also this obvious tension between uh, Lee, the father, and Reagan, the oldest daughter, um, over, you know, Lee keeps trying to build her um, modified hearing devices, and she's... It's... Ex- extremely a contentious relationship but she's like signing to him like dad like this just does not work like fucking stop and he just keeps like 
being persistent about it. And you could say it's the tension just isn't just about the hearing aid. You could kind of tell like there's also some guilt about about Bo's death. Does Lee secretly blame Regan for giving Bo the toy and the battery? Does Regan blame um, and is Regan or Reagan? They, they never really say. We're going to say Reagan. I'll give yeah, her the exorcist. Reagan. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so does, does Reagan blame Lee for not being the protective father? Um, That's interesting. Does Lee, you know what I mean? Does does Reagan think that Lee doesn't love her enough? There's a lot of questions to be to, right. to be answered. And the movie, it, what I like, the movie isn't explicit about answering these things. It's it's touched upon, right? Right. It's kind right. of touched upon, and and we don't really know yet. So um, I think generally everyone in the family is blaming themselves in some way for right. what happened above. And we kind of see that, right? Like when the when the film kind of flashes to them in their quiet moments, they all have like these own their own kind of personal hells about about what happened to Bo, and maybe they're questioning their their role in it. Right. Right. Or, or, or their their lack of action that led to Bo's death, um, and, and we see some other thing too. Well, Lee has his has his makeshift laboratory there, where he has his screen set up, his security screens, and he's sending out Morse code to other possible survivors. Um, he has his little uh, he has his um, like his little set of uh, hearing devices for Reagan. And uh, also, he, he goes up to the top of the silo, and he lights fires. And you start to see all the other survivors out in the wilderness, and they're lighting fires too. So, so there are survivors. It's just really hard to communicate. You can't make any sounds. So there's also... And, and there's also that. Um, you can see in their house, they also have specially marked floorboards that they could step on because um, they don't make any sounds. Because if you make a sound, you're... You're fucked. Bad, bad place to live in. Don't know if I could do it. But uh, they do. And, and that's why they're in the movie and, and we're not. <laughs> so in, in, in the backdrop of the story, um, really, really it's about survival, right? It's about being, being your best parent, um, doing what you think is, is right. Really, it's, it's just about like these people just trying to survive um and yeah and and there's also a lot of uh blame the family dynamic right uh there's there's one part where lee takes um marcus out for what's uh, it looks like a father-son bonding thing but it's really like um evelyn played by emily blunt explains to marcus you need to go on these things you i need to rely on you you need to rely on you because we may not be around anymore. So um, during this jaunt, uh, Lee shows Marcus, you know, how to how to set the fishing traps and and things like that. And um, they had they kind of have like a heart to heart, father to son conversation where Marcus, I mean, leave it to the kids, right? Marcus tells Lee like, "Do you not love Reagan?" And Lee's like, "Of, of course I love Reagan." And he says, "Well." Do you blame her for what happened to Bo? And Lee says to Marcus, what? He says, it's no one's fault. Marcus tells him, you need to tell that to Reagan because she thinks you don't love her anymore. Really, really a heartbreaking scene. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's this is also really about a uh, a family dynamic in in the midst of in the midst of an alien invasion. So I liked it, um, and then and you know we, we start to get to the uh, to the suspense parts. I love the suspense in this movie. It I, I know people kind of shit on jump scares and things like that, kind of passe. This is kind of the movie to do it. Um, a really cool scene where Lee is taking Marcus back, and there's an old man in the woods, and he's just standing there. He's got his dead wife there, and Lee is like put, putting his fingers to the mouth, like like shut up. And the old man lets out a scream, and fucking aliens come from them. Great scene. I love that. Um, yeah, I like the suspense. I like the scares in this movie. They were uh, they were cool. There, there were moments where some of the suspense like built up really nice, and then kind of fell flat. Um, I know you love um, the scenes with Emily Blunt when the aliens are in the house. Um, so we fast forward a little bit to uh, Evelyn realizing that she's actually in labor. Right, and taking laundry up, I think. Right, The bag snags a nail in the step that's sticking out. Yeah. That becomes, pardon the pun, a sticking point later in the movie. Yeah, she actually steps on it. In her panic. Right. In the midst of labor pains. Yes. Yeah. So guys, uh, yeah. <laughs> you have nothing, you have nothing on women. Just don't start the shit. We were yeah. actually going to do a Mother's Day episode, right? And, you know, of, of course, with with the loss of our friend, we decided to kibosh that. And we, we wanted to get a quiet place out um, as soon as possible. And, and you know, all of the sites had done, like, all the cookie cutter, like... Oh, Mrs. Mrs. Bates and Mrs. Voorhees. Well, you know what? We have Mrs. Uh, Evelyn Abbott there. She uh, she She's steps badass. on yeah. She steps on a nail while giving birth. Uh, in silence. In utter silence, delivers the baby. Because there's aliens in her house. <laughs> there's aliens in her house. So yeah, I Mrs. Voorhees. Oh, you avenged your your son by killing a bunch of uh, of campers and camp. Yeah, cool story, bro. <laughs> I stepped on a nail and gave birth. Almost at the same time in total silence. So nice turtleneck. Fuck off. <laughs> so so let's get to that scene because I really enjoyed that. Okay, so Evelyn uh, makes her way to the tub because she knows it's about to happen. She's about to give birth, and she you can just see like never mind the physical pain, but she is holding in that scream so hard. And I think that, you know, knowing that the aliens are, are in the house and they kind of already heard some noise because obviously she screamed when a nail went through her foot. But, um, you know, it was very suspenseful. And then, and then it kind of cuts to her with the baby in her arms when, when Lee gets back. And I feel like it could, I just feel like there's an opportunity, there was an opportunity for a little bit more. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think the alien could have gotten a little closer. I think, like, we I don't know. I just, I feel like it was a little bit disappointing. Like, did you join, like, a forest fire? Like, Bill yeah, Coleman like giving, giving, something a, else. giving an Independence Day speech? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> People are relentless. Relentless. Well, she also, like, she, she, she sets off the emergency lights, right? Right, which is actually really cool. They have, like, a lighting system to communicate with each other if they're not right. all home, yeah. Like, we should do that. So, like, when somebody, like, comes to the house and, like, somebody wants a snack, like, you know, don't step inside this fucking house. <laughs> like, the red lights are on. It's an emergency. We need Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or <laughs> McDonald's. 
and you call in. You, That's you know, a really not, good idea. Knows not to, right? To come yeah. back into the house. Don't right? fucking come back here without Starbucks. Right. The red lights are on, pal. We're hungry. Yeah. So the red lights are on. Lee and Marcus know full well that uh, they need to they need to do some kind of distraction, right? So what do they do? They set off like a whole bunch of like. John, where, where the fuck did they get fireworks from? Like that's they like Macy's Fourth of July yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, they, they had a lot of time to prepare. That yeah. shit was there because they were like, "Hurry up, go do it, go yeah. do the fireworks," and the kid went. That's impressive. They were ready. I just want to know where they got those fireworks from. Um, so yeah, so Evelyn is in the house by herself, uh, surrounded by aliens. Gave birth in the tub. It's quiet. Lee comes in. They, they, uh, there's a fight. Right, uh, the kids get trapped in, in in the corn silo by one, yeah. and then um, Reagan taps on her on her hearing device, which isn't really working well. But I, I guess like the sound of like the two mechanisms gives off like this high pitch frequency, and the aliens just like start to bug out. Like their hearing yeah, they is, do not like it. is way too sensitive, and kind of like it kind of like uh, incapacitates it for a little bit, and then. Uh, that's their weakness, right? Uh, Lee, played by John uh, Krasinski, is racking his brain over how to figure out because it's got to be a weakness, right? Right. Here it is, and um, so as they get closer to the house, they're attacked again. Uh, the two kids are trapped in the car. Uh, here's here's Lee's maybe redemption moment. Yeah, I think so. I think he feels like he had to. He feels like he he had to sacrifice himself for his kids, so he is outside the car, and he knows that his kids are trapped, and he just lets out this scream at the top of his lungs. Yeah, like, just like that. No. (laughs) (laughs) No sequel for John Krasinski, unless there are flashback scenes, or unless he really didn't get eaten. I am hoping for the flashback scenes. I will say that. Or unless it's like a, like a, who's the guy who got swallowed? Like Noah, right? Noah, uh, no, Jonah. Who's the guy who got eaten by the fucking whale? Lived in the whale's belly. I don't know. Um, I like one of those stories. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think I think he got shredded. So the aliens made their way into the house, um, and now Evelyn figures out their weapon. Right, she's got the weapon. So they get cornered in the basement. Whole family. Evelyn taps the hearing device. Alien wigs out. She amplifies it, right? Because she puts it next to the microphone, and the and the alien bugs out. And Evelyn, Emily Blunt's character, canoes the alien's fucking head with a shotgun. That was cool. Cocks it. End the movie. Ready for the sequel. Overall, what did you think of the film? Overall, I feel like it it had opportunities. It it left a couple things to be desired, but overall, I liked it. I'm not gonna say that I didn't like it. Um, obviously, the casting was great. The kids um, in the movie were fantastic. Um, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt—they're a couple in real life, right? So they have that chemistry. Nice chemistry, sure. I will say though, in the scope of this particular movie, A Quiet Place. You have to have an actor who's very emotive, animated, right. Em- emotive, right? Expressive. Exactly. I love Emily Blunt as an actress. I don't think that she was emotive enough. I think John Krasinski is. I mean, obviously, we all know and love him from The Office, which he's kind of known for his like facial expressions. Yeah. You know. So, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know if she was um, exactly right. 
Although, like I said, the chemistry was there, obviously, so that was kind of cool. Um, okay, so attention factor. I think um, it definitely kept my attention. I wasn't bored. Um, I did want to know more, but that kept me interested. It kept my attention. Maybe they're saving it for the sequel. Yeah, that's possible, too. Maybe they left a lot of things unanswered um, for that reason. Uh, as far as the attention factor goes... I what I really like about movies where there's not a lot of talking, Castaway, um, A Quiet Place, is that you're forced to be an active watcher. You can't passively watch this film and right. like check in with your phone every now and then or get distracted. You're gonna miss a whole bunch of stuff. As far as the interplay between, I, I love the interplay between all of them. Krasinski and Blunt and, and, and all the kids. Uh, it's not easy to pull off these types of films and keep people engaged. It's hard to keep people engaged, period. Which is uh which is why I give uh, I give a quiet place uh, enthusiastic thumbs up for the attention factor. Um suspense factor. What it, were were you in suspense a lot of the times? Did, did it miss? Did it dip uh, and drag yeah. like you say? Okay. No, I mean I don't think so. I think the suspense was really good. I I could have used more, let's say, but I think it was the 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 scares and the really really suspenseful moments were really cool. Okay. They were really exciting. I like the suspenseful moments. I like the encounter with the old man in the woods when the kids are attacked in the silo. Uh, John John Krasinski's character Lee, you know bites it when when the kids are being cornered in the car and then they release the emergency brake and like head down the hill all, all, all the action stuff I really love there's also the scene where we didn't really talk about it in the body of the review too much but um, where Evelyn and the baby are caught in, in in the flooded nursery oh yes and like her sounds are getting masked by by the falling water and she's face to face with the alien and she's like not not even making a sound all in all, I, I give a very big thumbs up uh, in the suspense factor. Um, I, I know, again, I know a lot of people uh, shame jump scares, but this movie kind of called for it. I, yeah, you're for not sure. really going to get too much of a psychological thriller out of this. Um, which leads us to our next topic of rewatchability. Can you, will you watch this movie more than once? Can you? Yes, of course. Will I? No. Really? Mm hmm. All right. Uh, I would definitely want to watch it again it, at least one more time before the sequel is out just to catch up. I, I know sometimes like uh, e even as hard as you try to actively watch a film, sometimes you end up missing stuff. Oh, yeah. Little subtle stuff. So um, is this movie like Dawn of the Dead rewatchable? It, it's, it's not a classic by any means. I don't think you really aim to be. Uh, but it's definitely, it's definitely worth. If you have friends over watch another couple of times you, again you want to watch it before the sequel comes out catch yourself up I think it's fine uh, for that which I probably already know your answer but I'm going to mm -hmm. ask anyway is this a let's explain to the audience first uh, is this a desert island film and desert island means uh, if there is an apocalypse uh, where we still have electricity and, uh, and TVs that work and you could only pick a few films, or if you're uh, stranded on a desert island that has electricity, <laughs> and, uh, and you only had a few uh, films and 
Is this a movie that you take with you? Nah. Yeah, me nah. neither. <laughs> as much as I like it, me neither. But I say that about 85%. Right. 95%. De- Desert Island films are very personal and very special. That's why they're Desert sure. Island films, right? Right. If, if, <laughs> for you to be stuck with them, you have to, you know, they have to be super good. Um, what would you want to see uh, changed if you could change it or if you could write this yourself? Or what would you want to see in the sequel? Hmm. I have a lot of answers. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I think that I would have really appreciated a little more backstory. Again, maybe something that's being saved for a sequel or a prequel. Oh, like um, how the whole thing went down? Yeah, like at least a little bit of what happened. Um, one interesting thing I will say is that while they're on their supply run, we see a newspaper. Actually, I think we see it more than once, maybe a couple of times. But we see a newspaper blowing around where we can see the front page. The front headline. Oh, right. And the front headline says, it's sound, right? So so before it was as barren as it is now, how we're seeing it, there were people who figured it out. But at that time, they were obviously still printing the newspaper. People were still going to work. People, people were still investigating this. So how are they communicating with each other? How are they getting newspapers out? You know, I think that's kind of... That's kind of interesting, and it also gives a little bit of an idea um, as far as, like, timeline, you know? Because the paper, I mean, it wasn't, like, destroyed, you know, like, the whole place was destroyed and stuff. They pretty pretty newly printed papers, I would say. Um, so that's definitely something I noticed that I think could be an interesting point. Cool. Yeah, I mean, same thing. I kind of want to see, like, how it all went down. Even even if you you know even if you give it like the twenty eight weeks later treatment where like I remember in twenty eight days later like a witness gave gave an account of what happened when when the initial outbreak of the infection broke out and where they were uh, it'd be cool like in the sequel even if we just saw it for a scene right you know of like what happened um, that'd be cool other than that I really I really wouldn't change much um, like I said I think it's really hard to kind of pull these movies off. I think a quiet place did really well in in doing so. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, really, really wouldn't change much. I kind of like to see John Krasinski's character Lee stick around for a little bit longer. I, I like him. I like the interplay that he has with uh, Emily Emily Blunt, his wife. They have a uh, they have a natural chemistry. He's pretty cool. It's okay. Um, I, I I know we're gonna like rate some films based on music, like their soundtrack. But I, there really, there really wasn't much to this typical sound effects score i'm fine with it yeah i mean nothing memorable yeah right you know yeah i mean it it was fine um i just want to make one more point about um you know things that i would change like you said i would have liked to see lee hang out for a bit and i think that um like we said earlier you know maybe he needed maybe his character needed to do that to sacrifice himself and kind of relieve himself of all this guilt and everything else um although because we see Reagan a couple of times kind of, you know, notice that the high frequency of her device will mess with the aliens, I feel like he really didn't have to die. I oh, feel like point. she yeah. could have gotten rid of that particular monster so as for him not to be able, not, not to have to save his children that way. No, that's, th- that, that's a good point. I mean, there's plenty of movies where, like, Characters, beloved characters, main characters didn't really need to die, but did anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a good point. Hey, you could also chalk it up to a, a plot hole, right? Yeah, that's true. 
like yeah. we already know the mechanisms in place to save him and we didn't do it is is that is that an accident or hmm. you know is there something else at play we don't know but uh maybe maybe that's another answer that uh, another question that will get answered in the sequel here's you know we didn't really want to give cookie cutter uh reviews we would try to stretch these things out as long as we can but you know i i don't I, we're not really i don't know how do you say not scholastic but we're not really intellectual about these films i don't know if we if we really can be so we kind of wanted to just like spice things up with like some silly um some silly uh assessments of the film and some silly questions we wanted to ask one of them is if you went to a dine-in like we did if you went to a dine-in mm-hmm. movie theater and you were watching this what would you eat if you were at home uh, amongst friends, at a date, you guys are going to cook something up and watch this, what would you eat? Jade, what would you eat? I'm going traditional on this one. I'm going to say popcorn and a Coke. Popcorn and a Coke. All right. Yeah. Why? Um, I don't know. I didn't feel inspired to, to have anything in particular. Typical I think, popcorn I think flick. typical, like traditional, right, traditional uh, movie theater food. No, hey, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Um, in spite of the aliens, and despite the aliens, uh, since the Abbots probably have been eating fish for probably as long as the uh, invasion is going on, and they've had to not only cook it but eat it in total silence. Uh, all right, you alien assholes, as uh, Randy Quaid would say in um, in uh, Independence Day. I'm gonna go with something sizzling. Something loud, something that makes noise, and something that's not fish. So I would say like a sizzling steak or chicken stir-fry for the Abbots. feel bad for those guys. They probably haven't had a hot, loud meal in a while. So I would go with, uh, with something like that. Nice. Yeah. Um, having said what we said, we went to the movie. Would you recommend this to others? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. It was fun. It was yeah, fun. It was I mean, definitely, Definitely worth a watch. Yeah, out of all the people that I've uh, spoken to who have seen it, they really liked it. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, and, and we haven't ruined it for you, uh, go out and see it. it it's, it's a fun movie. There's going to be a sequel. We're looking forward to it. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed the uh, our little synopsis here. And if there are any questions that you would like us to add to our little rating system here, whether it be... Something straightforward or silly and funny, um, let us know and we'll maybe add it in. Right. Yeah. That sounds fun. Or maybe we won't. So having said all that, uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening to uh, Just Another Horror Show, Episode 2, and our review of A Quiet Place. So for next time, I'm G. I'm Ant. And this is Just Another Horror Show. Good night. <laughs>